Learning to be happy with Da. Today, I would like to tell you about this thing I call the pyramid of emotion or the hierarchy of emotion. So, if you've seen the diagram, then you'll Follow along easily, and if not, you'll need to visualize this. Imagine a pyramid with many levels, and at the top of this pyramid is the word hate, and below that, anger, and below that, a layer called sadness and disappointment, and below that, a layer called fear, below that, a layer called shame, and finally, below that, a level called love. And on the right side of the pyramid, there are arrows going down from hate to anger, down from anger to sadness, down from sadness to fear, down from fear to shame, and down from shame to love. And there is the word acceptance on the outside of this pyramid. On the right side. So it's indicating to us that accepting these feelings takes us down the pyramid, takes us from one emotion to the next, deeper and deeper. And on the left side of the pyramid, you have arrows going up from one layer to the next. So from shame to fear, from fear to sadness, from sadness to anger, from anger to hate. And you have the word resistance. Indicating that when we resist these emotions, we take ourselves up the pyramid. And this is a very useful tool in exploring your own feelings because it all already gives an indication that hate and anger are superficial. They are the most、um, surface level of emotion that we feel, and that psychologically there's、um, other mechanisms. Working there. So we're taught when we're young, implicitly or explicitly through our experiences, essentially to fear our own emotions. You know, when we're told,、um, don't yell, don't cry,、um, when we get punished for being angry, dismissed for being sad, when we are ignored when we're sad, all these sort of things、um, cause us to fear. Our own emotions, fear the consequences of them, or to believe they're wrong. And since they have an、um, unpleasantness about them as it is, we learn to avoid them. And avoiding them, ironically, causes them to persist, for we do not understand why they're really there or where they're really coming from. And it's that understanding of why we feel the way we do that actually dissolves those negative reactions. But so long as, for example,、um, shame for us is so uncomfortable, so totally unbearable, that we cannot sit with it, that we can't be present with it, with those sensations, with those thoughts, to look at them, to hear them, then we move ourselves up the pyramid. 
you know, we buy into the shame. The shame being this idea that there's something wrong with us in some way. And then we become afraid that people will reject us. And then when people do reject us, we feel sad. And then when we blame them, instead of blaming ourselves, we feel angry with them. And that anger can lead to hate when we feel a great sense of separation or superiority. But this sense of superiority is also coming from a sense of inferiority. Because underneath it, remember, if you're looking at this pyramid, is that shame is underneath the anger in every circumstance. That um, we hate someone. There's really shame there. The way we judge others is how we judge ourselves. The qualities we look down on in others are the same qualities we look down on in ourselves. And that is why acceptance takes us down the pyramid. By accepting our feelings, we gain more insight into where they really come from. And at the bottom of the pyramid is love. For when we accept our own feelings and accept ourselves, we feel love not only for ourselves but for others, for we understand them. So understanding others comes through understanding us, through understanding ourselves. So the pyramid is useful in that when you're angry, you know to ask yourself, what feelings underneath this? What am I feeling sad or disappointed about? And you can go back to some of those questions that we talked about earlier, like, what did I want that I'm not getting? Because that's usually um, the answer (laughs) to the anger is discovering what it is you wanted uh, that you didn't get. And so the anger is when you're blaming someone or something outside of you or an aspect of yourself as well that you feel to be a part of you and you're angry with that. But the anger in essence is an externalizing of fault. And so when we manage to let go of that, we think, okay, we do this, for example, by recognizing that our feelings come from our thoughts and that we need to look into our thoughts and our beliefs for the cause of these feelings of anger and hurt and disappointment, fear and so forth. So remember, we discussed this when I said, when you're by yourself sitting on the couch alone and you're recalling something that's upset you, something someone said, that it can seem as if they are hurting you, that you feel hurt by them or by what has happened, some event, But the fact is you're alone and nothing's happening right now. And so you want to recognize that anything you feel in a moment like that is coming from your thoughts. If you did not recall the event, if you did not remember it, if you were not thinking about it, if you did not form beliefs about it, then there would be no feeling, no feeling arising from those things. So it's that practice initially that allows you to look past the anger and bring it back to yourself and ask those questions. What did I want that I'm not getting? What am I feeling disappointed about? And then when you manage to do this in meditation, there's an actual shift of feeling. The anger fades and maybe you feel hurt or sad, tired, you know, all those things we associate with kind of being deflated. 
And when you ask, well, why am I so sad about this? Like, why did I need, why is it so important to me in this situation that I get this thing? Or, And then you will probably find your way to fear. And this comes down to those beliefs we also talked about. The beliefs about what can and cannot make us happy and the beliefs about who we need to be in order to be happy or to be worthy. So it's these beliefs that give rise to the fear and then give rise to disappointment. And it's all related to our sense of what we think we need in order to be happy, to be at peace, to be content, to be safe, to be secure. Um, And without questioning whether those beliefs are really accurate or true, we can never break them. So we need to see for ourselves that, you know, we don't need people to like us in order to be happy. And we do this, for example, by asking, well, how many people do I need to like me? Five, six, seven? How much do they need to like me? How do they need to express it? What can others do that will convince me that I'm safe and secure, that I am enough? And this is why, as you can see now, shame is at the bottom here. It begins with the idea that we're not enough. And then we have this concern about whether people will perceive us as enough or not. But it's so subjective, and there's no objective way to measure our worth or whether we're deserving of peace or love that we can never really come to a conclusion once this belief or this idea is there that there is something wrong with us, there's very little that anyone or anything can do to change our mind. Because proof does not um, work in this scenario. It's totally subjective. It's just a feeling. It's a belief that arose from a feeling and not from any kind of fact. And... This is turning to be a longer episode than I had intended, but where does the shame come from, you may be wondering. So, one theory is that when we're very young, children need their parents, literally need them, in order to survive. So this is not the same thing as being a teenager, an adult, and you know wanting your friends to love or like you, or needing your partner in, as an adult to love you. It can feel as if you need those things, but you don't. A child does, though, need their parents. They cannot do things on their own. They need them to teach them to provide for them. So when the parent is any way angry with them, judgmental towards them, cruel towards them, the child's interpretation, although this is likely not intellectual at all, is that they are in danger. When my parents do not love me, I am in danger. My life is at risk. You know, as an adult, if your partner doesn't love you, your life is not at risk. Um, but as a child, it can feel that way because you do need them. You know, no, you've never known independence. So you're very sensitive to what your parents approve and disapprove of. And this is what ultimately forms what you value and what you think you need, who, the way you think you need to be in order to be happy, to be safe. And it's kind of outdated because, of course, as an adult, we don't have the same dependencies 
on others as we did before. But the mechanism's still in place. It seems that it's our destiny (laughs) to have to return to the wounds and to heal them, to see through them. And it seems to be that no matter how great a childhood you had, um, how loving the people around you have been, it's almost as if we're wired to find the fault somewhere. There could just be a single event of someone telling you not to cry or you're misinterpreting their action as not caring about you when you were young. And it could have created this whole pattern of neediness and fear. The good news is you don't have to remember everything that happened in order to heal. The pyramid is a pyramid of feeling. And it's simply through observing the body with mindfulness, observing the thoughts, and relaxing with them, reminding yourself that these are just thoughts, just feelings, that they cannot hurt me. And when there's anger, you know that there's another reason for it. It's not the situation that's making you angry. It's not that you didn't get what you want that is making you angry. It is what it represents, so you look deeper. So curiosity and growing comfortable through experience with the realization that these feelings cannot hurt you as painful or uncomfortable as they seem to be, as they are, that um, nothing will happen to you if you sit and just let yourself feel it. Now, of course, the danger in exploring our negative emotions or negative thoughts is the possibility of our believing the negative thoughts, for that can make things worse. You need to have some experience with meditation and mindfulness and to have had some experience or realization that you are not your thoughts and you are not the thinker and that thoughts do not represent the way things are. They just change the way you see them. That thoughts are unnecessary in determining the way things really are. What you think of yourself as being valuable or not, whether you feel pride or shame, does not change your nature, does not change what you are in this moment now. It changes how you feel about it. It changes how you see it. But the truth is there's no reason to believe that your idea of yourself is more truthful than another's. So if you don't like yourself, but someone else loves you, it's wrong to assume that their view is somehow delusional and that yours is accurate. It is all subjective. Thoughts do not represent the way things are. So when you have at least some sense of this, it allows you to witness your thoughts, to listen to them the way you'd listen to a child. So when a child tells you that they're upset about something and to you it may seem silly, you just listen. Maybe they... (laughs) have a very misconstrued sense of something that is going on. I know they're afraid that you're going to disappear forever because you're going to the grocery store or something. It doesn't, their feelings do not scare you, but you don't dismiss them either. You're able to listen to their, their words and to show them compassion. 
And we need to do that with ourselves. We need to hear the thoughts like, I'm not good at this. Um, No one will ever love me. This always happens to me. All of those hyperboles and exaggerations and those deep negative statements that arise when we're hurting. And to really listen to that without believing it. Um, To be curious the way we would with a child or a friend. Go, oh, what makes you think that? Is that really proof of that? So using, using some reasoning to at least show that there's no basis for you to believe that. And of course, many of us try this and we intellectually know better, you know, that when we use the words always and never in any sense, that this is never really true. It's like, it's predicting all future events and all past events and excluding lots of exceptions when we say like, I always fail at this or so forth. But often that's not enough to break the pattern to shift our, the felt belief we have. And the shift happens through allowing ourselves to feel those things. So the pyramid is showing us that acceptance takes us down the pyramid. I'm angry. Okay, that's okay. It's okay to be angry. So this is how we go down. This is how we practice acceptance by saying, and that's okay. So whatever we observe, we tell ourselves, that's okay. Oh, I'm feeling really hateful. And that's okay. Why am I hateful? Oh, I'm still feeling really angry, but that's okay. What's behind the anger? You know, when we are adding judgment to being negative, we take ourselves away from that curiosity we need, the curiosity we need to look deeper. So if you feel shame about being angry then you can't really look at the anger. It's just more self-absorption. We're just distracting ourselves further from going into those feelings. We need to let it go and realize, I do not choose to have these thoughts. I do not choose to feel this way. I do not choose these reactions. They are happening. I'm aware of them. Let me look a little closer at what is really going on. So you need some humility some patience, some compassion to explore these things and not simply wish that you were different or that things were different. And you may also um, wonder then how love is at the bottom. So I put love at the bottom of this pyramid because everything we do ultimately comes from love. Love being the wish to be happy. When I I define love for others as the happiness I feel when thinking of their happiness. And so similarly, the love that we have for ourselves is our wanting to be happy, our wanting to be free of pain, our wanting to be free of suffering, is the love that we have for ourselves. And ultimately, everything we do is coming from that place. However misguided, however ineffective our decisions are, That is where it's coming from. So when people steal, when they rape, when they murder, it may be hard to wrap your head around it, but some part of them is doing those things out of love for themselves. They feel powerless, so they try to have power over others because some part of them believes that this will make them feel secure. This will get them what they need, free them from the pain they feel, the pain of powerlessness, etc., So however um, cruel or misguided 
our thoughts or decisions can be, or those of others. If we keep on looking, we will see the motivation is to be happy, to be free of suffering. And also, acceptance takes us to love because when we accept everything, the outer circumstances, the things that happen all around us, and the inner thoughts and feelings that we have, is we begin to see it cannot be any other way than it is right now. And that everything has a reason, reasons we can't change by judging them. And the the only sensible reaction um, that will lead to the peace that we desire is to have compassion. And of course, the more that we accept, the less narrowly we define ourselves. And it's principally, in many cases, shame that narrows our identity. So when we think, I am not a good person, I am not good at this, I am not worthy of that, our sense of self becomes so small. When we go past shame, when we let go of those beliefs, our sense of self expands. It goes beyond these definitions. We accept that we have anger sometimes. We accept that we're sad sometimes. And we become whole. We feel whole. There's no part of the human experience that we feel we need to conquer, that we feel we need to be above, that we feel we need to destroy or overcome. We don't need to fight our anger. We don't need to fight those things in us that we wish weren't there. It seems paradoxical, but by accepting those things are there and that we didn't choose them, and by just remaining still, those patterns dissolve. And they happen less frequently, but not through force of effort, but through the force of love. So, I hope that you can make use of this tool in exploring your emotions in meditation or when you're journaling, just to have a sense of what feelings underlie one another. Below anger is sadness or disappointment. Below that is probably fear. And that these fears relate to what we discussed in those other episodes, that the fear of what you believe you need in order to be happy, who you believe you need to be, to be deserving, to be worthy, to be good enough. To identify those beliefs, but really to feel them, feel their effects. Be honest with yourself about the pain. Be honest with yourself about your anger. Be honest with yourself about whatever hatred or shame that you feel. It's growing comfortable with seeing yourself as you are in the moment that will lead to liberation from these limiting views of yourself. And if you have any questions, you know where to find me. See you next time.